we will reveal a secret Puritan <laughs> nugget today where we can actually tip our hats, our big <laughs> buckled hats to the Puritans. This is The Creative Double Shot, a conversation about building the creative life you want. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ginger. If you want more creativity in your life, let's talk. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Creative Double Shot. Welcome. Today, we're going to kind of piggyback on last week's episode in that we were talking about uh, how to create while the world is burning. But it occurs to me that the world is kind of always burning in our own personal sphere type thing. Mm -hmm. And that burning comes in the form of mostly demands on our time, but also what we feel like we should be doing, this mythical idea that if we can just get everything done, then we can finally create, et cetera, et cetera. And um, earning your relaxation kind of thing. Yeah, which we've touched on before, but I think like looking at it in the American (laughs) context, because I think it is unique in that our whole country is founded basically on this idea of productivity, of earning, of dollars. We worship the market. We're always paying attention to it. The headlines are always based around that. The market's crashing. Mm. This is happening. Are you buying enough corn futures? Things along those Mm -hmm. lines, right? And so um, it's the foundation for everything in this modern world. And, And it's not an accident. I don't think, you know, we'll get a little bit historical, philosophical here, but you know, the country was founded on uh, this idea that we wanted to liberate ourselves as a country from England, taxation without representation, all that kind of thing. And one of the big reasons behind that, and I'm, I'm being extremely reductivist, is that the <laughs> idea though, there were these merchants and they were tired of paying these tariffs and they wanted to keep their money. And that's very much a theme that resonates within, again, all the headlines and everything today, mm-hmm. no taxes and all that kind of stuff. And the people who already have wealth want to have more wealth, and they help those of us who, you know, do work, regular working jobs and stuff like that, just in general, again, this is generally speaking, to produce more and to create more. And in the meantime, they're always trying to maximize profits and minimize costs. And so nowadays within the last, what, maybe five, 10 years, the gig economy has become a thing. Mm -hmm. And so people are always striving and side hustles and just all this stuff that we always feel like we should be doing more and that we're going to miss the boat, I think is the word that you you said. And I think that includes both creatively and monetarily missing the boat. Like if I'm not doing enough, then someone else is going to do it instead, or I don't know, whatever, just that kind of stuff. But we're always trying to get an edge and being productive and course, we always blame the Puritans, but we will reveal a secret Puritan (laughs) nugget today where we can actually tip our hats, our big (laughs) buckled hats to the Puritans as well. And, uh, you know, I I was thinking too, like, I work in digital marketing and there are always these new products that are being pitched to us to help make things more efficient and be able to, you know, control everything. And uh, more productivity software is the big one. You know, if you Google that, you'll find probably hundreds of thousands, millions of results of all these things that'll somehow make your life better. And then another part of that too, being of an elder generation, uh, <laughs> but you know, we remember a time when like a Sunday, you're like, ah, oh, I can't go to the store because they're all closed on Sundays. I can't get batteries because it's closed or on holidays. Oh, I got this new remote control car for Christmas, but I can't get batteries because all the stores are closed. And that doesn't really exist anymore. Everything's 24 hours or close to it, you know, and 
Anyway, it's just this whole frenetic... Con- drive, drive, more, more. Yeah, it's this context that we exist in. And it, it's impossible for that not to seep over into our creative practice and just our regular life in general, you know, even at home. Like, oh, well, I need to get the dishes done and I need to, you know, stain the deck is one of ours right now. Yeah. You know, there are, the, there are these things I need to get done. And it's like, oh, man. And I feel like lately, and I don't know if it's the world burning, but I just feel like I wake up and I'm like, oh, you know, how am I going to get all this stuff done today? So there's that bit of it. And then there are these tools like the productivity software in our regular lives and not just at work that are supposed to make our lives easier. There are conveniences and uh, designed for efficiency like dishwashers and washing machines, food ordering services like DoorDash, uh, things like Uber. They're supposed to make our lives more convenient, which they are on some level, but we pay a price in terms of connectivity on another level where we're not interacting with people and we're our sort of the community, I feel like, as a whole, is disintegrating just a little bit more. They, they have these like ripple effects to beyond just our personal stuff. And, and in terms of, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit. Oh, yeah. I feel the pressure there in terms of having an art business and you know, all the marketing classes I've taken over the years right, in terms right. of, here's what you need to do, yeah, you know, and... Why can't you be more like Steve Jobs? <laughs> right. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like I'm an artist trying to sell art. I'm not, you know, trying to conquer the Silicon Valley landscape. Yeah. So it's gone in phases. So that first it was, okay, you need to be like Apple and figure out what you're, what problem you're solving for your, you know, community, whatever. <laughs> and then it became like, no, 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 no. You're an artist. It's different than Amazon. You need to approach your marketing like this. And then it's like, okay, I need to do that. And now the tide has kind of turned where you're seeing more stuff about as an artist marketing the way you, the way it feels good to you, you know, that kind of thing. So, but it's still a drive to be part of the right way of doing it. Yeah. uh, We were talking a little bit about the idea of, you know, we've always revered this merchant class, basically. The founding fathers were merchants and gentlemen farmers and, you know, who were people of means already. um, But, you know, they created this amazing thing, this experiment of democracy or social republic or whatever, whatever we call ourselves these days, democratic republic. So we held them up and then you have the industrialists came along, the robber barons, and oh my God, men of industry. And we, we, these are our heroes in this country. And it's not necessarily a 100% bad thing, but to expect everyone to be that is wrong. And the and fact- And to know that so many people were excluded. <laughs> well, right. It's not like those people were like a singular individual who Ford wouldn't have had his assembly lines without workers. And- you know, there are, that whole, you know, that's, that's a, probably a whole different podcast and it's probably out there already about history and industrialization and stuff like that. But the reality is, is that these people, while they had vision of some sort, that doesn't mean that that's the only thing to be held up to. But we do. Like, it's always like, well, you know, oh, not only do you have to have a regular job, but you have to have a side hustle too, as opposed to trying to find a place where you can make some peace with your job and your creative practice and all this stuff without it having to result in some sort of productive, well, some sort of product. Right. right. I think that we revere that stuff so much, and we're also fed it 24-7. If you're, if you're online, you're fed about these amazing, everyone's amazing, right? And you hear more stories about more amazing people. And not only that, but if you're connected with your, say, your creative community, you do get pressure from that too, because it's like, oh, so-and-so just did this. They just published another story. They just got another gallery. 
you know, whatever it is. And, and there's always this feel, this need to keep up with the Joneses mm-hmm. or the other artists. And uh, it's just an interesting thing to recognize and understand why maybe you might feel just either behind the eight ball or hopeless or um, that you're not doing enough because you're always measuring yourself against other people. And uh, I think that's just big part of how we do things here in the United States. Yeah. And if you do that, you will arrive. <laughs> right, right. If you do it right. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're, you're always trying to find, well, if I can just achieve this work-life balance, if I can just, you know, get the, the busy work done, I can, and you've talked about this before a oh. lot of times, oh, if I can just get this done, then I can, then I can. Really relax and enjoy right. my, <laughs> yeah. And the polarity of it is, is that you can relax and enjoy your creative practice before you get everything done. Because the reality is, is you'll never arrive and you'll never get everything done. In some ways, it's like, well, that's defeatist, but it's also, I think, liberating mm-hmm. because I'm working through Oliver Burke's 4,000 Weeks book, and you've already read it. And it's, it's interesting because he talks about this anecdote of himself, you know, being like the inbox zero rule with, with email. And this kind of speaks a little bit to efficiency or the idea that you need to get all your stuff done before you can do something else. And uh, he goes through it and and talks really kind of about how meaningless it is because once you get it done, then just, there's going to be more. I think he equated it to Sisyphus and, you know, having to roll this boulder up a hill. And then just as he gets to the top, it rolls back down. And that's kind of what it feels like. And that's okay. But at some point, if, <laughs> if you want to achieve some sort of, I don't want to say peace because it's not necessarily a peace, right? But it's just some sort of uh, acceptance, right? That this is always the way it's going to be. So do you want to spend your time engaging in stuff that's ultimately meaningless, right? Like inbox zero is kind of a meaningless goal. It just is it's something you can tick off a list, but then it's going to be there tomorrow. It's like dandelions in your lawn. You were talking about uh, we're losing a game that we never wanted to play in the mm-hmm. first place, right? And eventually we do. We have these like this sort of underlying dissatisfaction at times. Like, man, I know it can be better than this. And then we falsely turn to those things like, well, if I can just get this done, if I can just find more time in the day to do this. And Oliver Burke also talks about the guy who wrote, uh, there was an article that was written tongue in cheek right around the turn of the century, the 20th century. So like 1906 or something like that, where it's like how to live on just 24 hours a day. (laughs) And, And it's funny because we're always talking about more time and maximizing our time, being more efficient with our time. And, and maybe that's not the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the answer, because the efficiency just begets more work and it's okay to do work. It's not like, oh, well, I'm going to be lazy so I don't get more work to do, but it's a false summit essentially like, oh, if I get more efficient, then things will be better. But that's not necessarily the case. And so knowing that you have this finite amount of time, how do you come to terms with all this knowing that all of these uh, goals are fake? Right. The big takeaway in 4,000 weeks for me <laughs> without having read the whole thing. Right. <laughs> uh, but essentially, it's kind of like what we talked about with creative practice. It's coming to it on your own terms where you're like, okay, well, inbox zero isn't important to me. Uh, you know, I'm going to filter through these emails and know which ones I, I really need to answer and not worry if they're still in bold in my inbox and just let the day go by or, uh, you know, something along those lines or the dishes are going to keep overnight. Um, I'm going to go do my creative practice. And we see it already with our Gen Z child who is appalled that we have 20, 
4,000 unread emails. <laughs> it's true, but they also don't live in a world where they get 24. Right. And they don't, you know, like I think like most of, when I look at the big 24,000 unread emails, most of it's junk, right? It's yeah. newsletters and yeah. marketing emails and stuff like that. And um, I think the idea is talking about being comfortable with uncertainty, you know, is a big one. Um, we've talked about that a little bit. You know, you just started this job and suddenly you have less time to work on your creative practice. And I know we delved into that a little bit, but how do you approach it in such a way that it, it still feels good and you don't feel like you're shortchanging your hustle or, you know, whatever? It's been a really fascinating process because I'm still figuring out what I want my art business to be in relation to a new structure mm-hmm. of a job outside the home that doesn't necessarily have to do with art. And so I am in that interesting in-between phase, and I've only been doing it for two weeks. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's got the wheels turning, right? (laughs) Although I started my experiment with not focusing on the money, making the hustle part of it Mm -hmm. back in November or October, end of October. And so I'm in the middle of that whole experiment, like what? And and I read a really good article this morning about capitalism and yeah. and the artist, and I will link to it because I can't. Courtney, somebody. She's it's a, on the. She's a poet. Creative independent. Creative independent. Yeah. And well, you sent it to me. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It was great. And yeah. And I loved her idea that you need to figure out what feels good to you, basically, is. Yeah. <laughs> and always. go from there. You know, like there's this. You, you've tied commerce to your creative practice, and I know there are ways to do that effectively and, you know, in a soul-enlivening way. I'm sure there are. It's interesting because that whole thing that we talked about in the beginning about that hustle mentality, I blame Silicon Valley, and then I also blame the robber barons. I blame a lot of people. <laughs> it's not my fault. No. But uh, the Silicon Valley thing... Uh, has really spilled over into everything, right? Like everybody's, I'm doing multiple things. I'm a, I'm a music producer and I create video content and I'm also a writer. Like I'm not denigrating that, but this idea that you have to have multiple things going on all the time and you always need to be innovating, it spills over into the art world because I, I think of like all the marketing classes and when a new platform comes online, like, hey, someone's doing a seminar on how to incorporate more of this into your art business. And there's this fear of missing out, right? That, well, everyone else is doing this. And if I'm not doing it, I'm going to get left behind and they're all going to make money and I'm not going to make money. And so I felt like a big takeaway of that article, um, she's a poet. And at one point she makes the decision to kind of back away from trying to submit her poetry to get it published in magazines and get paid for it. And she starts giving it away. And uh, that's, and there's more to it than that, an oversimplification, but it, it felt better for her and it took away, like basically severed that capitalist approach from the, uh, the artwork and probably is a nicer way to meet that. When I first started writing my, I'm like, I'm going to write this book, I'm going to get it published and I'm going to start this writing career and hopefully I'll be able to, you know, make a living off of it. And, you know, fast forward to now, I'm still not making a living off of it. I got a job and I took that pressure off myself and I found that I enjoyed the the writing was more pleasurable because it wasn't like if this sucks then bad things are going to happen and uh i think that's an interesting point we'll come back to in terms of well what if something doesn't happen what are the consequences 
5,000 extra followers on Instagram or... Yeah. And just the idea, like, and going back to the ever popular dishes, if I don't do the dishes tonight, then what's going to happen? Well, they'll be there tomorrow. Or what if I don't get published this year? Well, you'll continue to work and continue to write and, uh, you know, try it again and try it again. And, and It occurs to me as you're talking that one thing I was very, I was really trained as a child by my parents that if you don't deal with something, it's going to get worse. Yeah. So my mom used it in terms of the dentist, you know, like, I don't want to go to the dentist. Well, if you don't go today and get this filling done, then it's going to turn into something much worse and much more painful. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of better to get the little bit of pain over with for our future reward, which in some situations is awesome. I think in that situation, it's a good idea to go yes. get a physical thing taken care of. We promote dental hygiene on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. <yes. laughs> However, as all of this stuff we're talking about, it gets taken to this next level where then right. you're trying to apply that to everything. Like, so the dish is yes. After a week, they will get disgusting, you know, like, and then you've got a big thing yeah. you have to deal with. But a day or two, you know, a day or whatever. I don't know. It's. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you have this finite time and, you know, the old cliche, you're never going to wish you spent more time at the office. But there are ways like we can distract ourselves from this fact, right? In 4,000 Weeks, he talks about Heidegger as a philosopher and the idea that it's not terrifying. It's, it's actually liberating to understand that we do have this finite time. What we do in this modern world is we tend to ignore that fact by filling our days with distractions, right? That ultimately don't result in anything for ourselves, like spiritually or... And, and to your point, a lot of things that we talk about are future-focused as opposed to, you know, if you want to get, you know, call it Zen or whatever, but being in the moment and we rob ourselves of that so often by, you know, oh, well, I'm going to get these emails taken care of, so then I can do this, I'm going to do this, so then I can do this, or once I achieve work-life balance, everything will be great. And uh, as opposed to accepting that, A, we have finite time, and B, it's never, there's, we're never going to get everything done, and, and there, there's no balance. It's a constant state of flux. And he talks about it, Oliver Burke talks about it in the terms of hope. It took me a little bit to wrap my head around, but giving up hope. And that's the hope that you'll get everything done, right. the hope <laughs> that you'll achieve this work-life balance. And again, it's liberating because it's like, oh, it just, this is just the way it is. And if you can accept that, then you're not working towards something that you'll never achieve. So you're not Sisyphus rolling the ball up the hill. Yeah. So a lot of it comes down to making that conscious decision, like being aware that you're in this place. You know, if you're feeling sort of this angst about that, you're not going to get everything done, like take a step back, take a big deep breath and, you know, what do I want to get done? You know, and, and am I working toward that? And is it meaningful to me? I think that's the big one, right? It's like, well, I want, yes, I want to mop the floor because I'm tired of looking at those spots near the stove, but <laughs> I don't really want to do that. And it's not meaningful to me if, you know, it feels good. But if I mop once a month or once a year, whatever, you know, <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I think trying to prioritize, and I hate to use these kinds of, this kind of language because it's very business sounding, but, but really like prioritizing what, what it is you want and and what it is you don't want too. Like I think of the, you know, well, I, I don't like that hustle mentality of trying to sell my art. So how do I get away from that? And I think you can, the solutions can be really drastic or they can be super simple. Just like, well, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna get a job at the library and take some of that money pressure off my my art and allow myself to just do that. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be a big sweeping life changing thing. Yeah, and it's a practice, right? I mean, it's just like your creative practice. It's not something that one day you'll just flip the switch and things will be different. It's like you have to again be aware of it because if you're not, then you're not going to be able to do the things you want to get to where you want to be or or to have your life be the way you want it to be. Oliver Burke talks about it in a very somewhat grim idea. It's like, I have no control over the future, right? So there's only now. And because life is finite, I mean, that could be today, could be tomorrow, could be 20 years down the road. And he's not saying live every day like it's your last, but know that every day could be your last, right? right? In that vein too, like talking about that article you read this morning, and we get caught up in all these uh, in the whirlwind of of our communities, like the art community or the marketing and all that kind of stuff. And we can choose not to partake. We can back off. I think a lot of times we're afraid to because we'll label ourselves as a failure to ourselves because we had these dreams. And it's like, well, this isn't the trajectory to the to that dream. It's like, well, what is your, you know, reevaluating all these things? Like, well, okay, what's your why? Why are you really doing this creative practice and, and what do you want it to be for yourself? I love the idea of letting go, you know, letting go of the, the control or the illusion yeah. of control. I think that's a, a really good point because that's what it's all about, right? If I can get my inbox to zero, I've got control over that. It's, it's kind of like a galaxy quest when uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, like stuff's going down, everything's going to hell. And uh, she, she basically repeats whatever the computer, computer. says. And she's like, what does she say? I like I know it's stupid. I have one job. I know, I it's, know it's stupid. Yeah, but I'm going to do it. And, and that's her way of exerting control over that situation, but it, it's an illusion. And so understanding that maybe you don't have as much control as you'd like and being okay with that and taking things as they come. You know, I, I was thinking the other day about this and I was thinking about you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and the saying one day at a time, this idea that all you can do is take each day as it comes and each minute, moment as it comes. And not that you're going to be perfect and be able to do that all the time, but it's a nice reminder like, hey, this is what you have now. There's stuff that you're worrying about. You know, there are steps you can take to stop worrying about that, or you can just decide to stop worrying about that, you know, depending on what it is. I think that's just a nice little uh, reset to be able to lean on yeah. when, when you feel like your mind is spinning. And you know. one concept that really has helped me is the idea that we, it's necessary for us to forget this stuff. You know, like we forget it so that we can remember. Yeah. So we can have those moments of clarity like, oh yeah, this isn't really that important to me. Yeah. And here's something that is. Whereas if you just remembered all the time, just like Journey, the song, I get the joy of rediscovering you. <laughs> Open arms? I think it's, no, I think it's separate, separate ways. ways. <laughs> I think. I don't know. We'll oh, research anyway. and put a link in the notes. Everybody needs a little journey. <laughs> Man, the youngs love the journey. Come back. Oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Went okay. to a wedding. We were surprised that everyone was very excited about Don't Stop Believing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Got, mm. got that uh, vinyl LP for <laughs> my 12th birthday in sixth grade. I listen to the 45 of Open Arms uh, approximately 100 times a day, yes. getting up to, re- to put it back, the needle back on the yeah. thing and go. Did you put like a nickel on back. the needle to keep it from skipping or anything? Like that? Nope. All right. 
Well, that was your little analog side trip. Sorry. No, no, it's good. That was for the, good. the 70s children. That's right. Yeah, uh, I think that's, uh, that's a really good point. It's a tool in the toolbox, right? To kind of help you keep your sanity and stuff like that. And, and I, I'm going to circle back one more time to that whole frenetic lifestyle that we live in. And I think it also applies to our leisure time too, right? So there's this idea that, well, bucket list is, is a big, ever since that damn movie came out, the bucket mm. list, this idea that I want to check all these things off and then I'm going to die. And then it becomes this like, well, pissing contest, right? Well, I went to here, 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 and here, as opposed to going to a place, say if you're into travel and, and you're like, yeah, I went to this place and I just enjoyed the hell out of it and soaked it up and was in the moment while I was there rather than thinking, well, I'm here, but next time I want to go to this other place or, you know, and we, because we do that a lot, we steal the joy or I'll bring it right down to the dinner table. You know, you're eating a delicious meal and you're thinking about seconds before you've even finished yes. first because you're enjoying it so much as opposed just to just- Just want it saying, to last. <laughs> well, yeah. It's just like, is there any more? It's like, just enjoy the one you got and then worry about that once you finished your, your bowl or piece of pizza or whatever it is. I think that the same thing applies to your creative practice. It's like, well, I want to write 42 books. And it's like, well, you might only write five. And again, once you let go of that idea of like doing everything- you take a step back and you can just work on what you're working on at the moment. So being okay with missing out, uh, being willing to let go or, and having that, you know, trying to have an illusion of control. One more thing about like sort of, well, all of your life is boundaries, right? Like if you know you want to engage in your creative practice, say at a certain time of day and someone invites you to do something, you know that either if you say yes to that person, then you're not going to do your creative practice. Or if you say yes to your creative practice, you're going to say no to that person and being okay with that too, right? That's always a tough one to struggle oh. with. It's like, well, every time you make a choice, you exclude all the other choices yes. at that moment in time. Which is why I have spent so much of my life in indecision because yeah. I haven't wanted to say no to anything or apparently yes to things either. Which is a choice unto <laughs> itself. Just like Rush when sings you about. you choose not to decide. We've probably you quoted that You still have made a that choice. choice. Yeah. That's all right. I think it's a good one to, I love it because it's like, oh, it's, man, yeah. it's so true. And so, I don't know. I think that uh, ultimately there are, are a lot of little things that you can do. Highly recommend reading Oliver Bur Burke's book. That's a tough one to say. Oliver Books Burke. Say it five times. Um, and we'll put a link to that article from the Creative Independent in the show notes too, because that's really good. And then the last thing I would like to leave the listener with is the question. Mm. And we talked about it a little bit, but what happens if this doesn't get done right now, or if this doesn't get done today or at all? And I think you can apply that both to your creative practice. Like, well, if I don't write today, what's going to happen? Nothing. Go ahead and, and go out with your family or whatever. Or if someone's like, hey, I need this thing by whenever. Oliver Burke talks about e the email that comes in, please read. He's like, you, can, you know <laughs> when you see the please read part and that you can probably skip it. <laughs> but again, like what if I don't get this done today? So I just finished reading the uh, Greenbone Saga, which was a fantasy Godfather meets martial arts by Fonda Lee. Fantastic trilogy if you like that kind of thing. So like sort of organized crime family, but also politics and just interpersonal relationships. Really good. But at, in the last book, the patriarch at this point, there's this huge crisis happens. And he's like, hey, you know, he basically says, 
if there's something that needs to be done, there's always a way to do it. And I love that because it's, I was thinking, going back to what I was saying about what if I don't do this, I was thinking about work and it's like, well, sometimes you do, you run out of time or you don't have the resources and you can't get something done. And instead of like, oh God, I'm freaking out. It's like, well, let me get with my team and my manager or whoever is involved and say, hey, this is what we're up against. How can we move forward knowing that we're not going to get this done today or we need more time or we need more budget or whatever, knowing that there are always solutions to things that you can't get done today. I've been talking about staining the deck for probably no, about yeah. a year now. Mm, yeah. And I haven't done it and we're still alive and we still hang out on the deck. And uh, I think that's a good one to ask. Like if you're fretting over something, what happens if I don't get this done right, right now or today? I love that. And I was just thinking of something you said to me earlier that was very illuminating about myself. You mentioned that I often say, well, I don't want to start this book because I know that I'll just read it the rest of the day. Because when I get, oh man, when I get sucked yeah. into a book, I don't want to do anything else. But that sounds and awesome. Exactly. But it's this, I guess you would put it in the guilty pleasure thing where yeah. you're like, well, I can't spend the rest of the day just reading this. So a question would be, well, what would happen if I spent the rest of the day reading this? Yeah, exactly. What wouldn't get done? And you're like, there's a chance I wouldn't get those things done anyway because I'd be noodling around on Facebook or Instagram, you know, or <laughs> exactly. flipping through magazines. One last thing. I know I said that the question was the last thing, but <laughs> I promised that we would throw a bone to the Puritans. And so going back to that bit about uh, how things used to be closed on Sunday in 4,000 Weeks, he also talks about the Sabbath. Or he was talking about Jews and, and Puritans, but it was a very rigid set of things that you did to prepare for the Sabbath because it was very difficult because you were a Puritan and you were working all the time. It was very difficult to just turn that off. And I think that's m more true today than, than ever before. But they, they had this basically sacrosanct day. It was a day of rest, just like they say in the Bible. So the Puritans weren't all crazy, <laughs> except when they ate that weird rye seed that had the fungus in it, and they started burning witches. Um, or maybe it was the witches that were eating the rye. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's neither here nor there. But anyway, I think that's a really good point, and I think you can do that going back to setting boundaries. You can carve out time and say, this is what I do on this day, and I don't worry about the other stuff, because you do need that mental break, and you need to be able to kind of reset and all that. Somebody at the library was just asking for recommendations for books. And she had brought a big pile of, you know, YA fantasy books back. And she said, I have the next week off of work and I'm going to read. And I was like, yes, good yeah. for you. She determined what she wanted to do, what was going to feel best and just decided to do it. That's fantastic. Love so it. there you go. Decide what you want to do and do it. Yeah. And, uh... Not what the man wants you to do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So yeah, ask yourself that question and... Uh, what was the question again? What happens if I don't do this? Today, tomorrow, yesterday? Wait, if I didn't do it yesterday, it still hasn't been done. <laughs> uh, yeah, what happens if I don't do this? What happens if this doesn't get done? And uh, see if that carries you through the week. Try and apply it this week and see how it goes. And uh, hopefully you don't get fired from your job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's it for this episode. Uh, we'll see you next time on the Creative Double Shot. See ya.